0: Give me my voice sounds a little raspy. Daphne was coughing and coughing, coughing and coughing, so hope I don't get what she got, but told her to eat some Patti LaBelle sweet potato pie, and she'll get well. She didn't like that, but anyway, for those of you who, don't, who, have, never, who have never tasted that before, it is awesome, just saying. She's not here, so I can say that. So we're, uh, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, if you are uh, please stand. We're going to be in the book uh, book of Exodus chapter 13. We're going to be in Exodus numbers, uh, but of course, we'll start off in Exodus. Now, for those of you who are closing out the year, as uh, all of us, God may already put something in your heart for next year. Um, And I like the fact that we're having a a, a church theme. Uh, I think that is something that we as a church need to have, so we have something to work towards. But likewise, uh, it may be something that God may be putting in your heart to do. And so this message hopefully would not be something, well, it'll be something for you, but uh, as the people of Israel, we can learn a lot from them. We can learn what to do and what not to do by just reading God's word and reading what he did to the people of Israel or, to, or what they did for themselves or to themselves and what God did as a remedy or an antidote to their problems. So if you'll start with me, um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 13, um, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God had led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest per adventure the people uh, repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harness out of the land of Egypt and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying God will surely visit you and you should carry up my bones away hence with you and that came to pass and they took their journey from so called and, and and camped in Etham in the edge, uh, edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them the light, to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away, and this is a key word, key verse, he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people let's pray father god as we come to you in your house on this sunday evening father as is um as this around christmas time and as most people fret about the coming year and fret about what to do and what not to do father father god I just pray lord just give him peace i uh, pray a for our church and that our members may come back and and, 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 and father everybody has a place in the body uh, of christ father and father god I just pray for our members uh i pray for our pastor as he gets ready to come down i thank you for brother david and for sister bethany as uh they they are uh, continue to serve in love i thank you for all that are here tonight i thank you for all our missionaries abroad and father god i just pray lord that you may speak through me tonight and to your people and i pray amen for those of you who like titles the titles is, the title of this message is a necessary detour um, being in Midland, Texas, we have detours a lot. You go down I-20, you can't exit Midkiff anymore or Conflat Road anymore because it's a detour. And I took, I thought I could exit Conflat Road and I end up on Loop 250, I had to circle back around to get where I was gonna go. But I got where I was gonna go if I would've known about the detour ahead of time. But again, it took me through a detour where I had to go back on the loop and uh, again, all of you have experienced that. It is frustrating. You want to get somewhere and you can't get anywhere because this ramp is closed, this ramp is closed, but now this ramp is open, this ramp is closed, and it's just merely frustrating when you're in, in traffic trying to get somewhere in time. Um, those of you who have experienced detours or delays in flights. He said, man, my flight was delayed for a whole day or they canceled flights the whole day. But I could have drove to Midland by that time my flight was up. How many of you have been there where you at DFW and you can't get back to Midland because they didn't cancel all the flights, and now they put you on a, uh, a noon flight the next day? He's like, man, I could have got home sooner. It's frustrating. Uh, Pastor Hines had to deal with that uh, when he flew down uh, to stay a week. His flight got canceled, and I had to call and call, call another airline, him going to Dallas Love Field. We had to do some changes. But he got where he was going to go, but just in, just not in the matter of time that he thought he would. So we all have experienced detours or things in life that has uh, threw us a curveball. Well, here the people of Israel were the same way. They had the same deal where they had a detour, except this was a 40-year detour. Now, I can do it with four hours, but 40 years, that's a long detour. But why did God do that? See, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh had the people in bondage. God, God got Moses and Aaron and said, Get my people out of Egypt. And you know the story, God did what he said he was gonna do. However, he said something, he said, He took not away the pillar, took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar by night. His his hedge of protection. His divine presence was there day and night. So they knew where God was day and night. He watched over them day and night. And when you're on your detour or you're in the wilderness, God is doing the same for you. He's watching over you day and night. He never left the people of Israel. Although they disobeyed God, although they didn't want anything to do with God at one point in time, and they had idols. God still stayed faithful to his people, but his people didn't stay faithful to him. And I tell you, if God puts something in your heart, like the people of Israel, follow through what God wants you to follow through. Because everything he says, and it came to pass. Pharaoh had the people in bondage. They cried out to God. God heard them, and God put them in the wilderness for just a little bit. For just a little bit. But a pillar He had watching over them. A pillar. Someone say a pillar, a pillar of the community. So I'm going to read a definition for you. A person or thing regarded as providing essential support for something. God was a pillar for them. He, He has provided support for his people. But the people forgot about the support as they got along their journey. Just like when God do something in your life, he saves you. He took me through trial and tribulation, and He was always there. He was there for me when I had my firstborn. He was there for me when I was in Iraq. He was there for me when I lost my job. He's been there numerous a time, that pillar, day in and night out. At times, I would fret at night, staying up worrying about how, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to feed my family? I have growing boys. I just lost my job, and I had to, you know, and and and, and God had to sit me down and say. Pretty much, I got you. I am your pillar by day, and I'm your pillar by night. I am your support. It's like a pillar, it's like a beam, it's like a support beam. He's there for the support for you to rely on. If you took that support beam out of your house, what would happen? Your house would crumble. Never disobey God, because if he removes the hedge protection and that support beam, your life and the things around you will crumble. So we're going to look at that. We're going to go to Numbers, and we're going to fast forward and go to Numbers, and we're going to spend some time in Numbers. Uh, Turn me to Numbers 13. And we're going to spend some time there. So uh, Numbers 13, verse 1. So this is God giving a command. He already took them out of Egypt. He uh, put them in the wilderness, and he took them out of Egypt. And now he's telling Moses to do something to have each man of each tribe to go and spy on the land. The land of milk and honey that he promised. He made a promise and he was about to to deliver. But as you would see and I would see, they weren't ready for the promise. And the Lord spoke unto Moses in verse one, send out men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, everyone, a ruler among them. And Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. So all those men were head of their own tribe. So here you have the, uh, the uh, patriarch of each tribe going in to spy and to get information from the land that they are about to conquer as God has promised them. God sent 12 witnesses out for them to give report back to Moses. And as he sent the 12 witnesses out, there were some issues. And what were the issues? They were afraid. 10 out of 12 were afraid. Let's back up. Let's go back to Pastor Garner, right? Pastor Garner had a vision from God, not a vision, but well, a vision, a burden from God to build this church. Right? If he would have been afraid like those 10 spies and said, "God, nevertheless, I don't think this is right." He did what he had to do. God was his pillar by day and pillar by night. God said, "Show me some land." No, he said, show me some land, God, and God showed him the land. did he not? He said, show me the land, God. He was in the truck. He was in the wilderness. He didn't know where to go. And then God spoke to him through someone else. And where you have today is faithfulness by a man who had a burden that God put on his heart. Here, it says in verse uh, in verse, uh Seventeen, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. So they're trying to figure out what kind of people they have to deal with to conquer that land. They send out spies and say, hey, show me everything. Tell me whether they're strong, whether they're weak. Is the land as God said it was going to be? Is it full of milk and honey? What is it? And what the land is, and whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. So here Moses is tasking them. Now, after they went up and did this, verse 25, in Numbers uh, 13, 25, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So they had plenty of time to research the land, to spy, to look at how the people move, to check out the resources, what's going in, what's coming out, who's there, who's not there. How strong is their military? How weak is their military? That 40 days. Keyword, 40 days. That's an entire month and almost two weeks. And here's what the report said. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites uh, uh, Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the uh, Hades, and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and then the Canaanites dwell in the sea and the coast by Jordan. But verse 31, now, now Caleb and Caleb uh, still the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb understood the mission. He understood the task at hand. He understood that although they may be strong, Caleb called everybody and said, hey, let's just go do it anyway. Here you have everybody giving up. Well, they're strong, they're mighty. Yes, they are strong, they're mighty. But who told you to go? Who sent you? God Almighty sent you. And Caleb said, let's just go. Verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. Here you have 12 people go up And only two said we should do it. Only two. They were afraid. So what happened is when they were afraid, it spread among the camp. The fear spread among the camp. Let me give you an example. Pastor Himes come here and say, hey, let's build another building. And everybody's for it, but then once they find out the cost, the labor behind it, nah, that's not God's vision. What if it is? What if it is? Or what if he came and started preaching something that we know that we know that we don't agree about? What if somebody speaks up and says Hey, is he the right man? The fear of the people spread among each other, and they didn't do the task. And then nevertheless he said, nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. Nevertheless. However, were they stronger than God? See, before then, God reminded them, I'm your pillar by day, and pillar by night. They witnessed that. They seen that. This is after the fact. So they seen all of God's miracles. They seen God do miraculous things, part the Red Sea, a pillar by day, and a pillar by night, but the people are still scared. Still scared, and in your life, God may be telling you to do something. Are you are you going to come back with a bad report? Well, God, you know, man, this is hard. I can't do this. What if? What if He comes? What if God gives you a mission? Say, hey, brother Ray, I want you to do this. I want you to go out and I want you to start a Spanish ministry. I'm just saying. I'm not putting it on you. I'm just saying. And brother Ray said, well, hey. I don't speak well. My Spanish is okay, but it's, it's text match. It's not really, whatever. It's excuses. If God brought you through something and you're still standing, what makes you think he won't do it again? Because he never left you. And that's what people forget. The fear of the people spread among They forgot all the, all the miraculous thing God did. He parted the Red Sea. Pharaoh's chariots was running down. And the sea consumed them. They seen all that. The people of Israel seen that real life, real time. Not, not in some movie theater. What we see, we see the word of God. We only see a picture of it in a movie. They realize the real thing. They seen the real thing. Just like God in your life, God may do done something in your life that only you can tell. That only you have seen the real thing. So why? So why be afraid? why be afraid? Unbelief spread like an illness. It's like a cancer among the brethren. They feel like they they cannot accomplish something. Unbelief was in Pastor Garner's church on 8th Street and he still made it happen through God. And the church split. It was a split. I heard about it. I heard about it from different sources. They had a drama club. They had a school. They had all this stuff. And he said, God wants me to do it. I'm going to do it. No money in the bank. How do you do that? Only God, supernatural things. How can God heal a person from cancer? Supernatural. How can God put you through school? Supernatural. So those are things you have to realize. Some of you may be going through surgeries coming up, some of you may have people in your family who who are who are down and out on the Christmas season. God has seen you through all these things. He will see you through that also. A lot of our people are hurting. Don't forget what God did for the people of Israel. Don't forget, because if you disobey God, there is something else. In Numbers, in Numbers uh, fourteen, verse eighteen, this is them. This is them pleading with God. The Lord is on suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. But God said in verse 20, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But here's where it gets serious. Here's the, un- here's the unnecessary detour. So we disobey God. God may have you wandering in the wilderness for a while because you disobeyed him. And God said, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of of God, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, they witnessed it. They see my glory. They see my miracles by day, by night. They seen the miracles of me getting them out of bondage. They seen the miracles of the man. Uh, they seen the miracles of God feeding them uh, of all the sacrifices. They seen all the miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. And have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Tempted me ten times. God was furious. God said, you've seen all these miracles. I've done them in front of you. What are you afraid of? I told you to go scope it out, report back, and then conquer. That's all I asked you to do. And most of the wars in the Bible, if you read the Bible, most of the wars in the Bible, God just flat out destroyed them himself. Did he not? He flat out destroyed them himself. But they disobeyed him. In verse 27, this is where it hits home. In a church, in a group, anywhere. It says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the uh, of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, ye have as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and they were and all that were numbered according to you from your whole number from twenty years on up, you're gonna die. Pretty much, you're gonna circle around the wilderness and your carcasses pretty much are going to die. So for disobeying me, that's a day, that's a year for each of the days that they were spying on those guys. If you do the math, they would have 40 days. For each day, God gave them a year. They had 40 days to come up with a plan. And all they had to do was come to God Almighty and pray. That's all they had to do. When all else fails, go to God in prayer. But so many people Ah, I'm just afraid I can't do it. I've been there. I've been afraid. I've been afraid before. It's not fun when you're afraid and when you're up at night or when you're at war and bombs are flying over your head. You're like, man, what's going to happen to me? And I was told the bomb you don't hear is the bomb that kills you. But these people were afraid, but they had no reason to be afraid. We have no reason as Christians to be afraid when God puts something on us. We have no reason to be afraid because we know the miracles in the Bible. He gave us this book right here for us to look at all the miracles He did, from the virgin birth, as as our David as David talked about this morning, in Luke, from from a gift of life. Christmas is the reason for God, Christ is the reason for the season. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas, and He preached about it in Luke. God gave Himself; He gave us a son, His only Son, to die on the cross for us, to be born in a manger and to die later on for our sins and our iniquity, for our unbelief, for our unbelief. And still yet, he died. What if he would have said, you know, nevertheless, I should just, one of the guys, one of the people, as uh, Jesus was dying on the cross said, hey, why don't you let yourself down if you're the son of man, as you say, you're the king of Jews. What if he would have did that? What if if the negativity that was down there played off on him? What if he would have did that? We'll be on our way to hell today. Every soul. But he stuck it out because the father commanded something and he listened. Was it hard? Yes. He sweated blood as he was praying. But he did it for our sake. And if he can do it for our sake, we should mimic him and do it for his sake. So when God puts something on your heart, just do it. As Nike said, Nike had a slogan back then, it's very famous now, just do it, and so much in the Bible, Christians, they don't want to do it. they don 't want to see what's going to happen, they don 't want to see the end, they don 't want to see it, they don 't want to see the miracles God have. But Paul says something that's very, very, very uh, very important. He said, "I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith you 're going to fight it's a battle." As I said this morning in Sunday school class, it's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. But it's a choice you have to make. It's a choice. It's a choice you made to follow God's will. It's a choice you made not to follow God's will, but it's a choice. God gives us free reign to make a choice, to make our own choices. But for the punishes, for the punishment, he pretty much said, You're gonna die. Those people, what what they did to the people of Israel. Is 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 some cold words, but it's 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 justified. God said, "Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were number of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and up, He held them accountable for their murmuring. How many times have we murmured? It says doubtless, verse started, Doubtless ye shall not come." Into to the land concerning which I have s- swear to make, you dwell therein. save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. The only two that were saved because they believed. Out of 12, only two believed. And they were the only one to see the land of milk and honey. The rest of them died off and their children got to see it, but they didn't get to see it. That detour. All they had to do was Believe in God, and they could have drove straight from D.F.W. to Midland, but God put them around and around and around until they died off in the wilderness. Now, in the wilderness, God was still there. Don't get it twisted. God was still there. So you may be in the wilderness tonight. God is still there. Like I said, He's the pillar by day and by night, and the fire by night. He's still there. Now, what I would do, if I was in your shoes, is take a trip to the wilderness yourself before God puts you in the wilderness. Well, what does that mean? Picture it this way. No child will no child will go get the father's belt and say, "Whoop me!" Right? I don't know many kids that would do that, and I don't know many kids that would do that. I don't know many kids that Dad whoop me. I did something bad here. Here's the belt. But what I'm telling you is, take yourself to the wilderness, get in that prayer closet where there's no distraction, because when you're in the when you're in the wilderness, you can concentrate. When there's quietness, you can concentrate. Jesus went and prayed off by himself out of all the the distractions. So if you go into the wilderness yourself, you can pray, you can ask God, go to that quiet place. Have that time, have that quiet time with God. Put yourself in the wilderness so you don't have to put in the wilderness by God. Get yourself focused back on the task at hand. Sometimes it takes for you to get away from your distractions. We talked about me time in uh, Sunday school, how some people want just me time, me time. Prayer time equals me time. If you pray in your prayer closet, in your car, get some time away in the wilderness from your distractions. Some people fast for five days, seven days, whatever. They get in the wilderness. Because the wilderness have you thinking about what you did wrong or what you have done wrong. It, it's a reflection. And as you close out this year, we got one more, we got about two more weeks in this year. Close out this year with reflection of what are you going to do for the next year. But focus. It's uh, just like a fighter. For those of you who watch Rocky movies, when Rocky fought, and I know this is a crazy analogy, but when Rocky fought the Russian, he went to Russia, he got away from his family, away from everybody else, and he trained hard. Likewise, sometimes turn off the TV, turn off the cell phone, and get into the wilderness. Get into this. Because that's what you need to conquer life. That's what you need to feed you. Get into the wilderness yourself. Because when you disobey God, when he pushes the wilderness, it's the unnecessary detour. And it's going around and around. You're like, man, how did I get here? How did I get here? Bad decision. You can ask Pastor Gurner. I took his advice. He told me, you know, uh, you know I was in East Texas for four years until God got me out because I made a mistake. He was in the wilderness for four years and he hated it. He told me... About, He told me, I'm pretty sure he told Brother David, and I'm pretty sure he told you guys he hated the four years in the wilderness. He hated it. Because he made a decision, God put him there to stay there. Nevertheless, I'm going to go here. God said, go for what you know. But you're going to suck around for four years and miserable, and now you're going to go to the desert and you're going to stay there in Midland, Texas. Imagine that as a reward for getting me out. So there are times where You have to beg God like like the people of Israel to get you out. But when he gets you out of that trouble and when he makes that triumphant deal where he gets you out, listen to him so you don't have to go back. Because think about it. This affected generations, the generations. He said this generation would die off. This this generation would go see. So the sins you make as a father, as a mother, will probably and could affect your children as well. But listen to what God has to say. Sometimes people are the worst influencers. And, and I say that because the men here said, hey, Caleb spoke up, but they overshadowed Caleb and said, oh oh, 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 no, these guys are too big. And in the end, Caleb won. Caleb got to see the land of milk and honey because he was one of the faithful ones. Caleb and Joshua was the faithful ones out of those 12 that got to go see it. Just like the uh, unthankful the uh, unthankful nine, that when God said, "Hey, you know," uh, when God healed those lepers, and only one came back and said, "I'm thankful," said, "Thank you, God," and praise God. Eternal life for that person. But again, the other nine went their separate ways after they were healed. They didn't—they didn't have nothing else to probably to do with God after that. God said, "Show yourself." Jesus, Jesus said, "Show yourself to the priest or whatever, to make sure that you enter the town because you're clean." You know. God put something on our heart. I never thought I'd be standing in front of people speaking. I said, That's not me. No, no, no. I started too much. No, I sweat too much in front of people. These lights are hot. Every excuse in the book I can have. And God just said, Hey, listen to me. I don't want to be in the wilderness. So I do whatever God asks me to do. And sometimes I have to question myself and you have to try the spirits to see is it God or is it of the devil? But when God, when you know God is speaking to you, listen, listen and obey. Because he will get you through the, the song of victory in Jesus triumphs anything. And as these men saw, as it was said in verse 32, but as for you, the people who didn't believe, the unbelief, the bad fruit, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bury your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. So your children is punished because you're punished. And you're gonna die off, they're gonna watch you die off, they're gonna see. And I don't know, but those children probably said, I'm not gonna make that same mistake. If you ever been in a household where your sister got willed for staying out late, you say, I'm not doing that. I'm not coming in late. Likewise, in the Bible, you should learn. You should learn from God's love, from God's wisdom, that he's your pillar by day and the pillar by night. He's your hedge protection when you're sleeping. He's your hedge protection on the job. He, he's your hedge protection, hedge protection everywhere, going through surgery, going through financial t- turmoil. He is your pillar by day and by night night. Let us pray.